Hey, y'all. You're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your host, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. Yeah. Are you going to say Candyman? I am not. That is something that we are not going to do in this episode. We will not say that word in succession five times at all. I do not play. And, <laughs> and there's a mirror. And does it work with recordings? Candyman. No, stop. Candyman. Play it. La, 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 la. I will mute you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Bernadette didn't say it five times neither, but he still came and got her ass. (laughs) No. And you know what? It's not going to even be Candyman. It's going to be Helen. No, because remember (laughs) he said her name. He said Helen five times and then she came. So if you want her, you got to call her by name. She said, say my name, say my name. Okay, anywho, (laughs) we are talking about the 1992 version of the horror classic Candyman, or as I feel like now, oh, I hate your guts, Um, (laughs) basically the ghetto Freddy (laughs) Krueger, but um, we are recording this episode now, and the new version has not come out, but it's like about to drop soon, so by the time you guys get to hear this episode, the new version of Candyman will be out, so like, go watch it, tell us how you feel it's yeah i'm excited about it i'm low-key scared like i'm very terrified i definitely had to watch this movie during the daytime but i want to see it i am excited to see it because of jordan peele um he has mastered um black thriller and mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see how he's gonna play up on this but one of the things that they definitely did talk about is looking more into who Candyman is and how did he really become this this person? And of course, you know I'm, we're always excited when it's a black writer, producer, director, and even you know mostly black cast. So it's about to go down. I'm really excited about it. I am, and I definitely feel like um, that version as well as this. Well, just in general, I feel like. Candyman is another movie that could have been avoided by the absence of racist white people because Candyman was lynched. For real. I mean, when when I watched it as a kid, of course, you know, this is 1992. So I was two years old. <laughs> I was scared. I don't even know <laughs> if I watched it at two, but like probably around five or six. Definitely scared watching it. And um, now watching it again and hearing the story of how he became Candyman and got the hook on his on his arm, it's like, whoa, this is definitely like racism at its finest. This is like, like you said, a, a, a lynching. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like, uh, unfortunately, and there has been kind of a, a, a tr- I don't know if it's a trend, but I feel like in horror period for Black horror films, there is, they basically are almost written from critical race theory. I know there's a lot of debate about critical race theory mm-hmm. now, but I feel like yeah. it, because the experience is so terrifying, like the idea of a lynching is horrifying. And then like, I feel like all of that played a part in this film. Like, this film had white saviorism, gentrification, mm-hmm. historical racism, urban policing, like, gender gap in academia. I feel like there was 
so many so social in- issues mm-hmm. embedded into this movie, which made it even more terrifying. <laughs> right. Yes. And I think um, so. There's a, a article in the Rolling Stone magazine that that talks about it and why this is, you know, why it's so racially charged and why it's more scarier because of that, because it has that racial undertone into it. And one of the things that the article mentions is that it the the symbolic 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 mm. the symbolic relationship <laughs> between the killer and and Helen or Candyman and Helen it kind of reminds me and then they say it in the article um, the birth of a nation you know and that there is this notion that black people are scary and should be feared and so to have this black man being the epitome of the the fearfulness in this movie was like, see, and here they do it. And then there's this white woman that's like, oh, oh, you know, and yeah. So I can I can see that. But like you said, it's it's deeper. It there is so many sending so many more layers, especially for Helen as a graduate student who it seems like married her professor. Mm. 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 Hmm. I didn't even think about that she married her professor. And so that's why she was, oh, Lord. Indeed. You just added a whole nother layer for me. Indeed. So. (laughs) Okay. So before we go down that rabbit hole, what were your (laughs) quotes from this movie? Honestly, the only quotes I, I have are from Baby Jake. I like calling him Baby Jake. He's so little and cute. <laughs> He's probably like the seven, but okay, baby Jake. <laughs> so when Jake sees her and she's like asking for help, and he's like, she's like, what, are you scared? He's like, I ain't scared of nobody. You're crazy walking in here on your own. It ain't safe around here. Like, you know, lady, tuh, you tried it. I'm not scared or anything. And then. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm terrified then, right now. <laughs> but I'm terrified. And then, um. When he was de- describing what happened, what Candyman did, and he said they found it, talking about the little boy's penis, they found it floating in the toilet. Can't fix that. You better off dead. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. And I thought about that. I was like, damn. <laughs> I forgot he said that. <laughs> I guess you're right, kid. <laughs> So those are my two quotables from Jake and not the Jake from State Farm. <laughs> okay. So um, I think I have two. There's the obvious one that like um, where Candyman just repeats the be my victim. Be my victim. Be my victim. Because it makes me think of I got that jet in my sister. <laughs> Oh Somebody going to be my victim. <laughs> <laughs> what? I was like, I'm not repeating anything Candyman said. You're not going to use that against me when you come kill me. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, I'm a moron. I'm an idiot. Stuff is, I, I have to find funny to keep from being terrified because I'm low-key still scared of this movie. <laughs> but when they're doing the lineup, <laughs> and the bitches do not want to be. We hear you looking for Candyman, bitch. <laughs> the next person. We hear you looking for Candyman, bitch. <laughs> yeah. 
Excellent. Stay alive. <laughs> right. Like, why y'all got me saying this dumb shit? <laughs> Whoever the killer is, he's he's dumb. <laughs> he needs a better line. <laughs> Joe, right. you niggas really did this shit. It's corny. You know, that's how I would be right. lined up. Like, <laughs> Looking left you or really right. You said that? Right. Like, you you niggas are lame. I also forgot that the opening scene of this movie uh, kind of looks like a Wu-Tang video, like a tick attack of the killer bees with these terrible <laughs> 1992 uh, graphics. <laughs> that, like the 90s horror films were scary because they were so gritty looking and the mm-hmm. effects weren't all there. So they had to make do with And it's like, why did it scare us so much? Like, why? Like to Because day, we were five. Because we were five. <laughs> To this day, if I see a toilet with a black garbage bag around that bitch, I'm not going to that bathroom. And they did that in the early 90s when you would go to like certain city parks and the bathroom stall was out of order. Instead of just saying out of order, they would cover and tape it up with that black garbage bag. First of all, that scared me. I was like, there's definitely... Definitely Candyman is in there and he's not about to sting my poom poom. And then the other thought that I had. Wow. <laughs> you're not about to come out and sting my poom poom. And the other thought that I had. <laughs> when she got beat up in said bathroom, I was like, I could smell it. I could smell the nastiness of that bathroom. Like, okay, so the movie. Was Sweets for sweet was that written in poop it looked like it was written in poop (laughs) and i was just like like, someone is nasty well you know when blood dries it does dry brown but it was thick Mm. it was like a layer of it on the wall it might have been a poop crayon yeah perhaps That's, that's pretty disgusting so that's why like when it makes me think of mixture of girls locker room from middle school mixed with boys bathroom public school elementary those two combined if you've ever been i've been a substitute teacher and courtney was a school counselor so she knows Mm. that them kid bathroom smell bruh it gets in the grout we cleaned it with bleach once and it still it didn't work we had a pressure washer come we've done so much to those bathrooms and it's 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 in the fiber of the room now Mm -hmm. yeah like it's in the stalls it's in the walls like it's so it's the smell that i cannot get rid of so anytime i see that that visual of (laughs) of that bathroom scene i'm like it's like (laughs) so the most important question i think i have for you where they are assessing helen's mental competence and she's in the Mm -hmm. office with the doctor would you let her look in the mirror in your office and say Candyman five times? I'm like, no, ma'am. I'd have slapped her. So sit down, sit down, sit down. Uh, she, got, she said it twice. I'd be like, excuse me, ma'am. I believe you. I believe you. Sit down. Hey, hey, whoa. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm going to give you uh, some medicine for this. And, I'd have uh, threw my stapler at her. Don't you dare. <laughs> you know, broke the, I would have broke the, uh, the mirror, the... Uh, Shit. Rode her back into the hallway. <laughs> Not today. Not today. Not today, Candyman. <laughs> hey, that man, Candyman, he knew how to frame a murder, though, didn't he? 
Did he? <laughs> he said, always put the knife in the hand, uh, uh, loosened the cuffs. He he knew okay. how to frame a murder. <laughs> he really did. So and then that brings back that racial racial part into it. So do you think that Candyman went so hard for Helen because he's like, you're white, so I'm going to get my revenge? Would it, would it have gone as hard if it was a Black person? Which is what it seems like is going to be in the new movie, too. Be a black so, thing. the new movie is um, basically Baby Anthony, the the baby that he takes and then she ends up giving her life for. Mm-hmm. That is him as an adult. <sighs> yeah, so that's, that's why I'm super, I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. excited. Yeah, it's so <laughs> that's gonna be him as an adult man, and then he already has that connection to Candyman, and then exploring his own history, he's gonna go back into it. But I think he okay, so interracial relationships clearly, I'm a product of one, however, I am not mixed with white, I am like a staffle mixed with best things on earth, I am Native American and black, but there is a different, um. There is a power differential that exists in, I feel like, uh, white and black interracial relationships. And it sounds like from the history that they're telling of Candyman, granted, we never get his side of that story. It sounds Mm -hmm. like he just was really in love with Mm -hmm. generations before Helen. And Mm -hmm. he knows that him as he is now, as he exists in this world, Mike can't get to her through just expressing his love. Like he can't make her fall in love with him as who he is now. So he has to build the fear and the terror. And that's kind of why I caught him to get on Freddy Cougar because he says like later on, like you took my um, congregation away from me. Fear is what drives that. Like that's how I stay alive. And so he needs that certain level of fear. And so I feel like he had to terrify her in order for their relationship to exist in the afterworld because he know that he can't just go to her as like a knight in shining armor or as a love interest and make her fall in love with him as he is now. I suppose. I really like this notion of him just going harder because she was white. I think, I think, yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. Go with it. You know, like, I like punishing it. her. Because like, <laughs> he really, like, he's like, to go that far to make sure that she was caught in all of these crimes. And it was just like, that's what you get because you because y'all made me, you know, pay like for these a, white people kill me. Yeah. For a crime that this for something that wasn't even a crime. Technically it was. Well, back then, yes. Because there was a law that said that interracial relationships were illegal. Right. Love who you love, but um but again, I feel like this movie is underwriting a larger theme. Like interracial love is is difficult in America. So love who you love, but um it I'd give it a six out of ten. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait, the movie or the re- or going for that relationship? Going for that relationship, <laughs> I give it a six out of ten because it's gonna be an uphill struggle, it's gonna be a battle. But I mean, he it he really did have to seriously love this original whoever Helen generations before because like in my mind then are is he coming every single generation after the next descendant of Helen and trying to make her fall in love with him like is he repeating this cycle over and over in in order to get his partner back and like sometimes it works sometimes it don't I mean because he did say it was always you Helen it was always you Mm-hmm. 
So was it always her that was going to find out and tell a story or be the one that was going to take his place once all of this was done? Question. I don't even feel like she took his place. I feel like they just are living in people's mirrors <laughs> together. And sometimes you call one and sometimes you call the other. My question is, okay, so he came in there with them gang members. Did they see him? That wasn't him. <gasps> right, 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 right. That's right. It wasn't him. It was his, okay, yeah, okay. It was That's the right. last dude that said, <laughs> here you look for Candyman, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, girl. Mm, this movie is something and else. It's- what were the forensics in 1992? Like a knife in a in a hook wound should appear obviously different. No, just me. I'm looking too deep, too much CSI. Um, I agree. You know, but I maybe at that time they didn't have all that. I mean, and then, yeah. That gets a little weird. Because then it's like, also, if he is like of a spirit, would you even be able to to detect that? Would you be able to see that? I don't know. But the idea of having a hook jammed into my wrist. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, having honey poured on your wound when they saw off your arm. Uh, uh, your uh, it all just and sounds put, terrible. And then put bees on it. I don't know. It it was weird. (laughs) It was. Hey, fun fact. Okay, okay. So it was filmed mostly in LA, but they took shots. Yes, they took shots. That's so inauthentic now. (laughs) Oh my God, right? But the new one is definitely recorded in Chicago. Okay. And what they did, they took the exterior shots of Cabrini Green. Mm-hmm. And did whatever they needed to do, but but majority of it was recorded and filmed in LA. And um, that makes the Cabrini, me sad. <laughs> right? The Cabrini Green um, Homes, also known as Chicago Housing Authority, the projects have a problem with authority being there, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, they actually tore that down March 30th of 2011, so it is no longer available. If you were trying to go out there and uh, you know meet Candyman or whatever. Me or, you know, the cast of Good Times or, you know, the people from Cooley High. Lots of films have surrounded oh, Kareem, yeah. Cabrini Green. It's not all terrible in, like, Blood and Guts. I mean, Good Times really wasn't a good time. Not at all. And that's why they killed off James. But that's neither here nor there. Back to Candyman. <laughs> I diagnosed um, Candyman with an unspecified trauma and stressor-related disorder because mm-hmm. I felt like he could have met the entire, the full uh, criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder from his lynching. However, I did not have any evidence from the film, like, um, of the persistent avoidance of stimuli associated with his traumatic event. So there wasn't anything of him trying to, like, separate from the lynching. I didn't feel like, unless you can prove me wrong if you saw something. No? Hmm. Okay, no. so, <laughs> so then to go into the uh, exactly what that is, this ca- uh, the category of unspecified trauma and stressor-related disorder is a category that applies to presentations where symptoms are characteristic of trauma and stressor-related disorders, but do not meet the full criteria in the diagnostic class. Word. What you think? 
<laughs> word. Yes, I, I agree. And I think I kind of came at this like, let me see if I can use a diagnosis I've never used before. <laughs> or haven't used in a while. <laughs> so I, didn't, I was looking at that. But then I, I went into personality disorder. It's my go-to. Hmm. I went to generalize, uh, general personality disorder. And I think that because he was, he did come from an affluent family, even though he was black, he was well off. He was well mannered. That's what they, they said, you know, he's a good guy. And then, so one of the, the criteria is enduring an enduring um, pattern of inner experience and behavior that deviates markedly from the expectations of the individual's culture. So I'd like to believe that black people ain't really out here trying to be murderous, you know, killers and stuff. Well, so, you know, <laughs> so that's not a part of our culture. But then also just him being this good guy and coming from this this good, rich family, um, that that was a pattern that was different from him from who he was. He deviated from his original being and then um, his cognition. He perceived and interpreted himself as being this monster and changed his name to being Candyman. Affectivity, it was intense <laughs> and very scary. And then impulse control. He was out here just, you know, killing people because he needed to keep his namesake. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, but those are a few <laughs> of the things or the criteria that I was looking at. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to diagnose a monster. But I feel like, again, all of that is the result of the trauma. And I feel like yeah. the personality uh, didn't, there wasn't a change until the experience of the trauma. And I feel like white people that were racist during the time and lynched this poor, well-off man for simply loving who he loved. Um, again, six out of ten for me. But um because of that, it is what resulted. So that's why I went with the trauma-related uh, disorder because I feel like none of that was was present before the experience yeah. of the of the lynching. Poor guy. Right, right. Because then also we have to remember that there is a differential diagnosis within looking at the DSM. You have your actual um, diagnosis and the criteria, and then they have the diagnostic features, development and course, and culture-related diagnostic issues, gender-related diagnostic issues, and then differential diagnostic diagnosis. And um, usually you're wanting to make sure that there is no post-traumatic stress disorder that could have caused the actual diagnosis to occur. So that might also challenge mine. <laughs> and I feel like the prognosis for Candyman is terrible because um, I'm not treating him. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Remember that one time I said I was going to be a witch? Uh, <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> I take it means back. I got treat Candyman. No, thank you. Never mind. Just I'm, kidding. <laughs> listen, ain't enough sage in the world, child. <laughs> Ain't no Palio Santos around. No, no, no. He still come in. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I like yours. I like yours because it does talk about the the trauma. And I I did not take that into consideration. I was just like, here's this man killing people with his hook. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's all because of his relationship with this one white woman and Ooh. racist white people. There's so many of our movies that would have been like a, a, a comic book strip or like a one, one-off thing if it wasn't for racist white people. <laughs> damn, or police being involved. Like, damn, how's the police involved in all this shit? And then they always seem to be filmed in L.A. Uh, it's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I just right. come to the conclusion <laughs> yeah. that you know, what I mean, lots of creators are in Hollywood, so they're either right into their experience, or that's where the film is being made in some way because you know it's cheaper. I just had an idea. Maybe we should move to LA. Da-da-da. The way my bank account is set up, let's do it. Tabitha Brown did it. Let's just let's just have faith. Girl, she was in Greensboro for a good uh, thirty years, but she did it, and we Shall each. Was put the two of us together was only there for 25 so <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Tabitha Braille we love you <laughs> check back in five years and see baby you know I'll be ready for that then <laughs> or, or you know alright we might be able to stop somebody on the street be like real quick real quick let's do this interview real quick <laughs> what are your thoughts about getting that <laughs> um, but so going forward with um, diagnosis for let's talk about um, Helen Oh, chow. Mm, chow. Okay. So I'm going a, I'm to a go first because I already know you you OD'd on that girl. <laughs> I, t- I put my clinical hat on. I said, mm, acute setting. Let's go. <laughs> I know it. Yes. Okay. So I just did based off of like when she's in jail, like <laughs> she's not <laughs> trying to take him. Can can I have a um, some clothes, please? Some clean clothes, like um, ma'am. This is evidence. Hand that over. <laughs> Take your bra off and throw it to me. <laughs> and I call the sergeant, whoever she was asking for. Like, girl, yeah, here he is. I said, side. take your bra off and throw it to me. <laughs> uh, oh god. So <laughs> I said delusional disorder. Oh, okay. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. And I said persecutory type. And so, okay, let me go through the criteria. So with with the criteria meeting one or more delusions with a duration of one or month, one month or longer. Well, first of all, like she's into this mysterious, mysterious or mythical legend. And so I think that also would lead someone to be like, oh, she's delusional. She's believing what she studies so much and she's embodied it so much that it's starting to affect her mental health and causing hallucinations. So the hallucination definitely would be actually seeing Candyman and saying that he came to her in the parking garage. And then like her behaviors being um, being odd especially her waking up with a meat cleaver in her hand <laughs> and being seen like talk, trying to talk to the woman. I didn't kill your son. Put that shit down there, ho. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, manic or depressive episodes have occurred. Um, these are brief relatively, relative to the duration of the delusional periods. I would say that she may have had major depressive episodes simply because she's starting to realize also that her husband's having an affair um, while she's going through what she's going through with Candyman in the back of her head. So the persecutory, yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. This subtype applies when the central theme of the delusion 
involves the individual's belief that he or she is being conspired against, cheated, spied on, followed, poisoned, or drugged, um, maliciously maligned, maligned, okay, mm-hmm. harassed or obstructed in the pursuit of long-term goals. So she's feeling, again, her goal is to find and figure out this um, legend of Candyman. And now she's um, feeling like he's coming after her, coming after her to, to, to kill her um, for whatever reason. And then um, as far as you have to specify if. So I specified the speci- uh, specifications for this is with bizarre content. Again, it's like, if you were to listen to her, if, if someone was to come and sit down and be like, Candyman is real. I saw him in the mirror. He made me kill these people. There is a high chance that you would say that this is bizarre content. Taking away the fact that this is a horror movie, like if this was an actual client. Um, and then specify if, <clears throat> um, as far as the duration of the disorder, I would actually say first episode currently in the cute uh, um, episode. So the first manifestation of disorder, again, is when she actually has done the the act of killing someone. And so that initial response and her timidness and the, the worst, like her disorientation while in the police station gave me that specification and the severity. Again, the severity is rated by quantitative assessment. So I don't have an assessment measure that I would use. Well, there is a psychosis symptom severity uh, assessment measure, um, but I didn't give that to her before giving the diagnosis. Shame on me. But that's it. What are your thoughts? Sounded beautiful. Um, My only question is for that specific disorder. Mm -hmm. I know for a persecutory type Mm -hmm. that they are being conspired against, you know, someone's out to get them type thing. Do mm-hmm. you diagnose somebody with that? And this is aside from just Helen. This is even in like general practice. Would mm-hmm. you diagnose somebody with that if there really is somebody out to get them? Like if somebody really is coming for them? Like it makes me think of people who really go in on like, we're constantly being watched. Big brothers watching right. us. You know, like then, yeah, I feel like there is, if there's some truth to it, but I think it, if a person is like at the point of putting newspaper on their window, covering, mm-hmm. you know, covering things and, and being very... So to the amount of um, impairment or distress in their yes. actual functioning. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I can dig it. Yeah. All right. What you got, girl? Go ahead. I have completely different ones, Um, but I think that's more so because I diagnosed her at two different spots in the movie. Okay. So my first diagnosis, because I'm thinking, when would I see her initially as a client? And I feel like I would probably see her after the first uh, murder where she or Candyman (laughs) killed the dog (laughs) and took baby Anthony. And so... um, and so that I feel like that is when she would first come in. I do mm-hmm. feel like she and you gave this for Candyman. I thought this more so for her of having a general personality disorder, just period. Mm-hmm. From the very beginning of the movie up until that point, I felt like I, I, I got the vibes of personality disorder because of um, 
her perception of everyone else as well as her perception of um of herself while she did have some realistic perceptions like oh i can't believe that um they were there were two people murdered and absolutely nothing happened and then this white woman gets hurt and then everything happens and mm-hmm. so she perceives herself in, in that way which is uh healthy into reality quality reality testing but there are other things where it's like okay but bitch who the fuck told your ass to dress like a news reporter or the police and to just go into the projects and start taking pictures and then you're manipulating your friend in order to go with you and then you're just walking into this random woman's home and you're asking her these questions like all of that I was like ooh yeah you a little off a little off (laughs) and so yeah all of that, you know, together had me thinking about the general personality in general. But then also, like you, you were saying, her disoriented nature in the police officer and saying that she didn't know, she didn't know how she got there. She know the blood isn't hers, all of those things. I diagnosed her with dissociative amnesia, with dissociative fugue. Hold on, I got to Wait, say that again? I diagnosed her with dissociative amnesia, with dissociative fugue. Dissociative fugue? What does that mean? Okay, so the criteria for dissociative amnesia is an inability to recall important autobiographical information, usually of a traumatic or stressful nature that is inconsistent with ordinary forgetting. Uh, The symptoms cause clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. And then the fugue is the um, apparently purposeful travel or bewilderment wandering that is associated with amnesia for identity of for for identity or for other important autobiographical information. And so she didn't know how she even got all the way to Cabrini Green into that woman's apartment and for all of that to happen. And so that would be the I don't remember. But not only do I not remember what happened, I don't remember getting to there. I don't remember how that any of that happened because she lived on a different part of town, but still was able to travel without even the memory of going, let alone just the memory of the event of what happened. Mm-hmm. oh yeah I like that one and so that is then that's the first murder but then later on when she comes back and she's at the psychiatric hospital after mm-hmm. oh, can we just R.I.P. Bernadette her only crime was being friends with this problematic white woman girl this is a part. cautionary tale of, befri- of befriending problematic colleagues and ignoring your own intuition it is it is. You know what? She was pressed on getting that publication. She was like, I'm going to put this aside because eventually something on her CV. So, <laughs> all right, crazy lady, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why yeah, self-care is important. Do not ignore what your body is telling you to be what you need in order to, for your career goals. It, it never works out in your favor. <laughs> Damn okay. shame, Bernadette they had to die, though. <laughs> Or Bernie. Bernie. Who is also played by um, Casey Lemons, who is the director of Eve's Bayou, a movie that we previously did. Oh, snap. It came back full circle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Look at her being great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so after Bernadette's murder, and she's in the psychiatric hospital, and they're able to show her full footage of her communicating with someone who is not there. And they're Mm -hmm. even asking her, like, did he come to you? 
did he tell you to do something? Um, mm-hmm. I feel like they probably either diagnosed her at that point in time with schizophreniform or a brief oh, co- yeah. psychotic disorder. Um, and so the criteria for schizophreniform, that's just fun to say. Schizophreniform. Schizophreniform. <laughs> the criteria for that is um, either the pre- the prevalence. Uh, uh, oof. Time, young man. (laughs) (laughs) The presence of, um, in her case, delusions and hallucinations and um, grossly disorganized behavior, um, some negative symptoms. And and so this is um, kind of like in the first six months before they can fully diagnose you schizophrenia. They're like, let's give it schizophreniform to see, you know, what's really going on type thing. And then it can develop mm-hmm. into later a diagnosis of schiz- full schizophrenia. Um, schizophreniform is kind of like the pit stop before schizophrenia. Then um, because she is in the acute setting for such a short amount of time, they could have either diagnosed her with schizophreniform or a brief psychotic disorder. And so brief psychotic disorder is also the... Um, the presence of the either delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, or uh, grossly disorganized or catatonic behavior is the duration of the episode of the disturbance is at least one day, but less than one month with eventual full return to pre-morbid level of functioning. We don't know because Helen dies. Spoiler alert. I'm sorry if you didn't already know that. Um, And the disturbance is not better explained by another disorder. Um, I put hers with... (laughs) I put hers with Mark stressors because this um, that is when the symptoms occur in response to events that singularly or together would be markedly stressful to almost anyone in similar circumstances in the individual's culture. And if Candyman was out to get me, I'd be crazy too. Hell, it's Candyman. Everybody dying. Listen, all aboard the cuckoo <laughs> train because I'm on that bitch. <laughs> all the way to schizophrenia, please. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> got it <laughs> I um, locked myself in the church I'd have been in full uh, prayer he had listen. to come get me up out the pew because <laughs> uh, so um, for treatment for um, either of those well what they had did in the movie is that they had her uh, doped up on Thorazine which kind of kept her out for all, about a month so we really can't even determine how long the episode was for because she was all med up uh, and it is a prescription medicine that is used to treat symptoms of schizophrenia, psychotic disorders, um, nausea, vomiting, and anxiety before surgeries. However, the company that was creating or uh, making, putting out Thorazine, um, stopped making it. It is no longer something that is prescribable to people. They stopped making it because it was called causing a rhythmic um, issues in, in people's uh, issues with cardiac. Oh. arrhythmia and so they said uh before we get sued let's just stop making this <laughs> that was smart that was very smart <laughs> yeah they weren't ordered to do it they just stopped making it themselves on a, a, a good decision business move mm. for them mm-hmm. but um I guess so if Helen was my client I don't necessarily think I would give her Thorazine but uh because they don't have it no more but possibly um barbiturates or benzos for medication wise and then definitely looking at uh coping skills reality testing what's real what's in front of you because she sees candy man like i don't see candy man i'm showing you video that i don't see candy man that he's not there right. and so 
But I think it would help for her because he does operate off fear. He was trying to get her to admit that he was real and um, admit that she was scared. And so mm-hmm. he was trying to scare her at first. And so I wonder how much if like, again, get on Freddy Krueger, if she could have used the tactics that they use in Freddy Krueger, if that would have been helpful or if that would have caused him to kill more people. <laughs> but she, if she mm. would have been like, I don't believe in you, you're not real, you're not really here and continue to take that fear away from herself and the congregation. Um, I guess his congregation is the black people in the hood surrounding Cabrini Green. I don't know. But um, I feel like it is. <laughs> but if she continued to move that fear, if that would have weakened him to the point where he wouldn't have been able to reach her anymore. You know what? The the gang members that beat her up were his apostles. Okay. Mm. And they were there to make sure, like, oh, you looking for Candyman? No, you're not. You know? And then <laughs> <laughs> Stay scared, bitch. You know, and <laughs> they went that, that backfired. That backfired because then they felt like Candyman was it wasn't a mythical urban legend. He was just this one. The gang leader of the overlords who beat this white woman up in the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. I tried. I tried it. Yeah. Oh, you know what else I would want to do with Helen? I would want to do um, a genogram and look at the nature of her estranged uh, family relationships because like when mm-hmm. she found out that Trevor was cheating when she walked in the house and that bold bitch Stacy was in there with him she was like hey. you know that you were the only person I had left like so I want to know like what's up with Ooh. this estranged relationship with your family is this an intergenerational trauma like of the curse mm-hmm. of Candyman and how far back can we trace like untimely deaths like so our yes. like how we said before is it in, is it people dying untimely from like everyone, every female in your family, like, mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. what can we learn from those? Like, so that you don't, you know. So maybe it was route. Helen all along because yeah. he went after her generationally. And then mm-hmm. if that's the case, the curse of Helen would have stopped or the cur- that curse would have stopped with her because she didn't have no kids. And so maybe like Candyman did stop and we get this new movie because it picks up with Anthony because he was drinking Candyman's blood as a baby. Word. Boom. Jordan Pill, you welcome, bruh. You, you, you needed us on the team. Together. Okay. <laughs> Why didn't we get an email or something? Like, come on. Shit. We need to do better with our marketing. We, I'm, I'm going to get us somewhere, girl. <laughs> yeah, We're going to do this. Shoot. They going to know about us. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. I like that. Yo, it was funny to me. It probably shouldn't have been when she grabbed that phone from that girl. Was like, you ain't calling nobody. (laughs) I'm here. The serial killer. I killed my best friend and I'll kill you now. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That's not at all what she said, but in your version, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. What? So I didn't diagnose Trevor with anything. I wanted to. I wanted to diagnose him so bad, but he was just an asshole and using his power to like manipulate students. Freak on little girls. Yeah. And he clearly had a tight. He liked them white and brown and blonde. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might be able to find a V code for a cheating asshole. Um mm. But I don't if know. not, it'll be at our new version of DSM. <laughs> it sure will. It sure will. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I didn't diagnose him either. I didn't. I couldn't find one <laughs> that fit. Uh, and, and you don't know enough about him. You just realize, mm-hmm. like, 
he's an asshole. And the reason why he didn't he didn't answer because he was out. Same with with Stacy. Mm-hmm. Who was a bald little bitch, okay? She shook, she what? shook that woman's hand. She, she said, and I'm Stacy. <laughs> okay, Stacy. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I had a professor tell me about like stages that students kind of go through with their professors, where in the beginning you feel like they are like all-knowing, benevolent expert creatures Mm -hmm. and then as you continue to matriculate throughout your program like by the end you end up by like getting drunk with your professors having drinks with them and like calling them by their first name (laughs) you know as a professor (laughs) (laughs) I straight up tell people I don't know everything so please don't put that on me (laughs) I don't know Everything. I'm not all-knowing. I might know a little bit more than you, but we're here to learn together. Okay? All right. So hopefully I put that whole, I dispel that. <laughs> I tried to, because y'all thought about to make me out here to be the expert on everything, because I'm not. And then as far as, like, kicking in with my students, I feel like they're my colleagues, you know, especially, like, if I have master's students and, like, once they graduate, they're my, they're colleagues of mine. I mean, I could supervise them, but, or, you know, give them advice or things like that but i don't expect them to still hold me at that that differential the power differential by the end i expect you to be trying to to do presentations with me <laughs> you know right and i feel like trevor uses used that power differential to his benefit he while did. him and um helen were married and so i can i feel like there always is that that sometimes uh, exception and so I would have thought that for him and Helen but then it goes on and then he's still like using that with Stacy and so it's like oh no you have a pattern and then yes. once Stacy graduates you're going to be looking at the next young blonde chick that walks through here asks mm-hmm. you to what she, her dissertation should be on and it's not okay <laughs> right right and then like I just didn't like their their the professor's mannerisms towards them and while they were eating at the restaurant and everything, it's just like, well, we're better than you. Did you do your research? Well, 1982, <laughs> like, uh, calm down, okay? Like, oh, up the ass. I don't want to be that person either. <laughs> like, they try to play her, for real. But at the same point, she did need schooling because she didn't do her background history. She didn't know the real story of Candyman. And, and you can't be yeah. trying to kick through the door as much as, as you, even though you should be trying to kick through the door, you can't do it when you don't study up on your shit first. You got to know what you're talking about before you very just go true. in there guns a blazing, which is very, very important true. in advocacy, period. Which I think is why she ended up in the situation she ended up in because she, she went in guns blazing and didn't do her due diligence. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have to go to Cabrini to take them pictures, child. I <laughs> sent Jake up there. Jake, you ain't scared of nothing. Take this camera up there. Take a few pictures for me. Okay. Okay. So I, I feel like Jake's story is like, basically, this is how gangs get started. Like the police is, they're not um, feeling like the community members are credible and taking their story seriously. So they are not mm. protecting the community. The the gang members are not necessarily protecting as they once used to are no longer protecting the, commu- the actual community. Like they are functioning more so for themselves. So at what point, like I, him and his friends literally like, 
that's Candyman. We got him and his little posse uh, of (laughs) elementary school kids are the ones who went out there and started the fire. It's like these kids had to step up because everyone, they felt like there was no one else around that could really protect them. Mm -hmm. So they had to take it into their own hands and kill Candyman themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I was trying to figure out what I was going to give Jake because I feel like he he he's he's been traumatized from this. <laughs> like you had no, he might be like, together. yeah, I killed Candyman. See me, nigga. <laughs> he might. He might. Yeah. Me and my crew took Candyman down. We ain't scared yeah, of y'all. I told you I was scared of nothing. Right. She was crazy walking in here anyway. <laughs> like her ass burnt up right along with candy man they had to go <laughs> they, she had to go <laughs> I mean yeah the only thing that I would think of like I don't know would be the most traumatic I think just maybe dealing with the police and him being like I told you not to say nothing <laughs> when he when he's at the police station he's like and now candy man gonna get me cause of you so that's the only thing, like maybe traumatized, just a tad. <laughs> we don't we don't get to see no more Jake. So hopefully there's some Jake in, in the new film. Oh, that would be nice. Cause Jake's Jake's st- still around. He's a grown man now. I looked on right. I am I am DB. Yeah, I was you messed me up now. Now I have to make sure that I say it right. <laughs> I know, because I'm but, I'm BBD. <laughs> <laughs> BBD. But I looked on there to uh, see because I wanted to know about um, the babies. And then that's how I found out that the babies that played, I don't know. We looked on there for something. And then I found out that that's how the um, the new Candyman plot line was going to follow Anthony. Okay. And so I was thinking about diagnosing Amory with adjustment disorder, with mixed disturbance of emotions and conduct, except it says that the distress is out of proportion to the severity or intensity of a stressor. And while I don't have a child, I can't imagine anything more distressing than not knowing where your child is and assuming that they're dead. True. Very true. And then, like, uh, you got to consider the product of the environment, too. Like, you know, her environment, Like, she probably lost it knowing like he could be anywhere he could still be in Cabrini he was still in Cabrini Green the whole time he literally was on the other side of her wall <laughs> <She's on peace>. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't know that and bitch you killed my dog and uh, hey, the, I couldn't imagine yeah. like because I was like oh she had the flat affect when you know when they first fire first started and she attacked but yes I would I might do all of those I feel like that is a normal response to the intent the severity of the stressor that she was presented with and so I don't feel like it's out of proportion um I might code it as that just if she came mm-hmm. to see me so that you know insurance will pay for it because I'm a I'm a go out on a limb and assume that she's on Medicaid um, because her job didn't seem like they would be giving out quality insurance. And so if she was getting behavioral health care, it might be an add-on picked up by Medicaid because it wasn't from her her job. Because if they was only paying her enough to live in Cabrini Green, they clearly was giving out menial wages. She probably deserved more. Um, but with mm-hmm. all of that being said, I might call for that just because, but I don't feel mm-hmm. like it was fully 
met the criteria because her distress was definitely in proportion with what all she had been through. Absolutely. Okay, so when the whole hood pulled up to Ellen's, uh, Helen's funeral, why? To um, to pay their respects and lay the hook on her grave and, and symbolizing that she was right. Oh, okay. So it was like, appreciate it, Helen? Yeah, because of you, Candyman gone. Oh, okay. It wasn't like, uh, well, bitch, you the one who woke this nigga up in the first place. Could very well be that, too. Okay. That's what I kind of thought it was like, yeah, take this hook with you, bitch. (laughs) Bury it with you. Mm. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I bounced back and forth because I was like, oh, look at the hood showing up and showing out. They dressed to the nines and walked all the way to the graveyard to pay their respects because she didn't have no family there and only one support her was Trevor and his whole ass bought the bitch Stacy to the damn graveyard where I was like, oh, this nigga bow. But then the whole they hood showed up, up and I was like, that's what's up. But then they put the, the hook in the in the grave and I was like, oh, they was like, fuck you, bitch. And take this nigga with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> take it with you. I feel like it was a combination of both. Okay. You know, yeah. people are complex. Yeah. Right, you know, it's like you don't know, but yeah, that that was interesting to me, and I was pissed that that new little witch was there. Like, what are you doing? Okay, so after Helen um, murders <laughs> Trevor at the end of the movie because he says her name into the mirror five times, do you think she came back for Stacy, or yeah. she just or she just like uh, framed Stacy? So now Stacy has to look like she's crazy. I think she did it on. I think she kills them both and lay them next to each other. Like now you can have each other for eternity. I'm petty. I let her go to prison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you can feel just as crazy as you try to make me feel helpful in my house, painting it pink with a red couch. That's ugly. I, that stupid ass Pepto Bismol color she's putting <laughs> on the wall. And she was so confident in it. Get your ass off the counter. <laughs> Oh, that is all that we have for this Candyman. I am so super excited to see the new Candyman. Um, I don't know if I want to go to the movie theater to see it because I'm a punk. If I can stream it at home. COVID or a punk about Candyman? uh, Both. uh, (laughs) I thought that was evident. Um, (laughs) I thought we were clear on that. But... Uh, I think hopefully it will answer all of the questions that we raised today. But if you would like to support the show to help us get out more content out to you all, you can visit our website and follow the support the show link to become a Patreon member, buy our merch or donate on our cash app. Now we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we'd rather the kind that folds. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the DSM podcast and you can subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. While you're there, go ahead and leave us a comment because we are counselors and actually care about what you have to say. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Okay, bye.